He gave himself. What more could we do? Man, that's what we're going to speak a little bit on tonight is giving ourselves fully surrendering to him tonight. Amen. Good to see everybody on a Wednesday night. I know it's summertime and everybody's out taking time with families, but we're here just to spend a little time around the word. Fill our cups. Amen. Not that I can do that. He only can do that tonight. So why don't you turn your scriptures with me to Matthew 16. And we're going to start reading at verse 21. This is just after Peter had had a wonderful revelation. Amen. And Jesus just told him, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. So this had just happened, and we'll start reading just after that. And we'll maybe start at 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem, suffer the things of the elders, many things of the elders, chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. I always, when I read that scripture, I always go to the other side of when they're all wondering what's happening when Jesus is now in the tomb and they're totally forgotten that he's going to raise from the dead and they're there all scared and Soldiers are after them, you know, quite a frightful time. But here Jesus had actually already told them what was going to happen. They had forgotten that. Then Peter took him, verse 22, and began to rebuke him. Peter rebuking the Lord Jesus, saying, Be it far from thee, saying, God forbid, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. It's not going to happen. This is not going to happen. And you can see Peter here, a little bit of his his own... Thoughts coming, being interjected in there. This isn't going to happen. And of course, his own desire and his passion for Christ and his love for him. This just isn't going to happen. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. But Abraham said he was speaking to the spirit that was anointing that for Peter to say that. He knew that Peter loved him. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Amen. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we've read your word. And Lord, I am so conscious of the what it required to put these pages together of the scriptures. and The lives that had to be lived out. And the trials and the burdens and the, that people had to bear, Lord, so that these scriptures could be wrote. And here, many, many years down the road, we can read it and it can give us strength. 
It can pour in comfort and peace, Lord. And through all the many scriptures, I'm so thankful. Lord, we just don't read it just to read words, Lord. But we know it's life and life eternal, Lord, that comes out of these pages. For it's you that inspired men of old, Lord, to write these words down. That they could encourage us, Lord, at this time. Lord, so tonight may we just receive from you, Lord. May you break the bread tonight to your people as we just fellowship a little on your word now. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I told Brother John, I said last week, I had already a little bit of a thought on my heart, and brother, I saw Brother John's title last week, and I just was like, oh, Brother John. <laughs> but it's, I take it more as the Lord is in a channel for the, his people, right? He spoke on yielded, yield, yielded, and yield, yielding and yielded. And that's just something that is such uh, near to my heart is, Lord, how can I be yielded more to you? And uh, and I know that's everybody's burden in, in their heart. You know, how can I draw closer? And the, the thought of my, that I just want to speak tonight will just, is on full surrender brings total victory. And is how can we, you know, surrender is something that the world, it's actually, you know, when you think of surrender, Michael, when I say surrender, what's kind of, what word comes to your mind? Hands up. Okay. Nathan, when you say surrender, what comes to your mind? What do you think? Hands up. <laughs> this is true. You know what? I remember in Sunday school, I don't know what teacher it was, but I remember when they were, they spoke on surrender. And all I can remember is it's full hands up when we surrender. It's not like, oh, no, this isn't, this doesn't work. It's Lord, I surrender. It's everything. It's just wide open. Here I am, right? Surrender, it's looked on as, you know, when someone surrendered or they, they, uh, especially in a military concept, it's, it's a, it's kind of a negative term or, you know, obviously for the person that surrendered, it's sure a negative term, but it's, it's a, it's kind of showing maybe some, it shows weakness. You know, you surrendered, you're, you're, you're weak. You know, you're giving up. Surrender is, is going to be said, well, you gave up, you surrendered, you threw in the towel. You know, you just don't have what it takes. And so we, we have the, this is kind of what, you know, we, we, the world would, would see as surrender, giving up your independence or your own way, or even surrender can be kind of tied with cowardice and shame. Really, at the end of the day, surrender can be tied, it's just defeat. You know, someone won and someone lost. And if you were the one that lost and, and you were defeated, you had to either surrender or you went down trying, but at some point you were on that side of it. And so it'd be, it's a bit of a surrender when we, Think about it on a, a worldly level or the world we're in. They don't look at that term as, a, as really a positive term. It's not really something they would want to do. You don't want to, people, the world doesn't want to surrender nothing. <laughs> Especially when you talk about rights and such. You know, no, nobody wants to surrender those these days, do they? <laughs> no, they surely don't. You know, the Japanese troops, um, you know, they were a, a culture they just never surrendered. You know, that was just completely against their, their whole grain. And uh, it actually kind of came from a bit of a uh, samurai um, background. Uh, and that was, it was just something they would die and they would commit, they would run them through with their samurai sword. You know, surrender was just not an option. Of course, we know the Winston Churchill said that we will never surrender. So the, the world, in many ways, looks at surrender as, as just no option. You know, we, we won't, we won't ever do that. You know, in American uh, war in Saipan, actually, there was, um, when they advanced on Saipan, 
The soldiers there, their mothers that were clutching their babies, hurled themselves over cliffs rather than be taken prisoner, rather than surrender. And in fact, there are virtually no survivors of the 30,000 strong Japanese garrison on Saipan. And two out of every three civilians, about 22,000 in all, died because they wouldn't surrender. And so it was, uh, surrender is, can be seen in that light. And like I said, we have, we're in such an age, we know that Laodicea is, a, is an age of people's rights. And that's the last thing we would, uh, that anybody is, in fact, they're fighting for more and, and uh, every right you can get, you want to hold on to. And, you know, I, there's a list of 30 rights that uh, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights is in, was put together and it's, Quite a, quite a list. It kind of condenses 30 of them that you have these rights to. And you have the right to life. You have a right to live. You have a right to freedom of thought. And you have a right to say what you want. And you have a right uh, to a free and fair world. And you have a right to education. There's all these rights that we have. And people are campaigning. And they, their lives are driven so that these are never surrendered. So you don't ever have to give those up. But in the light of the scripture that we just wrote... It's not that time quite yet. <laughs> I just started. I know I'm short, but that's pretty short. <laughs> that was like five minutes. <laughs> In the light of the scripture we just read, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And if you look at those three things... That's an ultimate surrender. And with Christ asking you to do that, you're, that is not a losing term. Right? When you look at scripture, when God is asking you to surrender, the world can, you can look at surrender and it's all about defeat. It's all about some negative. You lost something. I've surrendered up something. But when we look at what Christ is asking, anybody that comes after me, that's anybody that is is a disciple of Christ or a Christian who's following Christ. Anyone. I would imagine that would be everybody here. He's asking you to surrender. It's not in a sense that you're giving up. It's you're giving over to Christ. You're giving over control. When we think of surrender, we talk about surrender. You come to a place where... You've given all your abilities and all your thoughts and your strengths. You're giving that over to him and you're surrendering that to him. And we'll just talk about that a little bit, a little bit tonight. So the three things that Jesus said, he said, denying self, giving up all your own ways. So what is denying self? Denying self requires you to give up anything that we would want or seek that would hinder our doing the will of God. Okay, you know, it doesn't mean that if, you know, just because you want something doesn't mean you necessarily can't, you know, that it's wrong. But it, when we, we look at something, something that our self is desiring, if it is taking the place of the throne where Jesus needs to be in our life, that is something you would need to deny. All right. A want or a desire, and it's as in the place where Jesus and his will that needs to be that governs and powers our lives that's a, that's what you need to, start, to deny so tonight just as we talk about it you need let's look inwardly because sometimes it's the smallest thing that is actually hindering us from actually going forward in Christ 
It's hindering what he can do for us because it's a full surrendered life that then God can actually do something in, right? It's not a, you know, you have three quarters of, of your life and you've kind of not surrendered a portion of it. God can't do, God can't do a work in that life. He can't move forward in that life if you're holding something and not surrendering that to him. Amen. There's only one master. We know that. If God is going to rule in your life, then we have to be subservient to his will. Amen. We must be willing to give up anything in our life in order to please God. So this denying of self, it could be the things of the world, anything that our, our flesh would desire, contrary to God, our ambitions, our interests, where we spend time. You know, what, you know, what, what do we do that is, that is something that is taking away from what God is wanting to do in our life? God is asking us, Christ is asking us to deny, let him deny himself. One person said, he goes, we mostly spend our time conjugating three verbs, to want, to have, and to do. Craving, clutching, and fussing. And therefore, we're kept in perpetual unrest. Right? So it's looking at those things that we're craving for, wanting, we're wanting to have and to do, and it's constantly keeping us in a cycle. And Christ is asking us to, to deny those things that would keep you in that constant unrest that would hinder you from surrendering to him. He said, Jesus said, take up your cross. Your, your cross, everybody has a different cross to bear. You know, and uh, and everybody's cross is different. Everybody's cross is different. You know, we, some might have a, a cross of, you know, maybe a cross of reproach and persecution and constant persecution. Someone is, is under that, or maybe it's at their job and someone else doesn't have that as much. And this is a cross that someone bears, right? There's a cross where someone might have a, 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 a child or their family is broken or a husband or wife that's not serving the Lord. And these are things that they're, they're having to bear this burden, this cross that they're having to bear. God alone is the only one that can give that cross or to take those burdens and, and to... And to, to help those ones in their cross. And one uh, little bit of a story. There was a time, once, you know, once upon a time, there's different ones that were bearing, you know, Christians bearing crosses and were invited to come and bring their crosses and put them in a heap. And each man could take up the cross that he liked best. So, of course, nobody took the one that they had brought because everybody feels that their cross is heavy. And my burdens are heavier than other burdens. And, and right, so they all put their crosses down and everybody took a different cross. And each went away with their neighbor's cross on their back. And, but handful of hours later, they all came back again asking for their old crosses. Because they found that the cross that they'd carried before had worn their shoulders. That they'd become used to the particular burden. But the new cross was galling them in fresh places. So they were glad each one to put his neighbor's cross down. And go away with his own. <laughs> Amen. So we can always look at someone else's life and say, oh, you know, I, you know, they don't know what I'm going through. They don't know what my cross is. And I wish I, you know, I wish I could trade up my cross. No, Jesus said, take up your cross. He's given you a cross to bear. And he's given you the grace to bear it. Amen. So he's asked you, take up your cross. Not looking at someone else's burdens and saying, I, I wish I had those. And we can't run from our cross. We've taken it up. 
You know, we sometimes, you know, people try to run from trial to trial or some people even move from uh, place to place trying to sometimes get away from certain things. They find out the cross is just coming with them and they find that those problems or those burdens, etc., are just it's their cross that they're bearing and it ain't going nowhere. But with them. And so you can't run away from the cross that you've picked up that the Lord has placed in you. I know sometimes our cross gets really heavy and we would just almost faint under the burden of the uh, under the bearing of the burden that the lord has given us but i mean our lord is helpful he's gracious he's faithful and he's given us scriptures that can help us bear those scriptures you know you know god uh god is not going to let you take something that you're not able to handle we know that amen and so we can look up to the hills from whence cometh our help for it comes from the lord amen and when you pick up when you Christ asks you to take up your cross. You're resigned to carry it to the end. Amen. It's not who starts. It's who finishes the race. Amen. So when you pick up the cross, you're looking to the finish line. And we're going to bear the burden, bear the cross that we've been given right to the end. Amen. You know, it's such a blessing when you can talk to somebody that has maybe had it has a great cross and burden they're bearing and you know they are and you can look at them and you can you know in some ways you just you're pitting them you're praying for them you saying, lord help them bear this burden and you can talk to them and you talk and they are as joyful and they're just speaking of how the lord is sustaining them and and you can walk away you're saying wow that that's a real believer that's taken up their cross they're not begrudging what the god is what they're bearing but they're able to say lord you gave this to me and you asked me to surrender myself to you to deny myself and take up my cross and now follow you amen amen and they those conversations those can be such strength to you when you meet and come across a pathway with someone that is so willing to bear the cross that they've been given You know, the next scripture is, whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. And that losing, it's whosoever whosoever will surrender, denies, and, and deny his life will save it. It's that you are living because of the surrender. You're living because of the surrender. And that's a pretty hard thing to do where we live right now. Is to take up our cross. To deny ourselves in a such a self-centered age. To deny the things of this world is so contrary to what Christ is asking of us. In very simple Simple terms. It's, it's not, this isn't something very deep, but it's the beginning of anyone's life with Christ. Deny yourself and take up your cross. Amen? And here we are at the end where we have words such as selfie that has been entered into our dictionary. You can, t- you can tell that Satan is directly against denying self. If you can't deny yourself, there's no following Christ. There's no following Christ. 
rich young ruler, that was, he had a real struggle with that. Rich young ruler, he had everything. Just as in Laodicea, we have everything. Right? Rich, full of goods, need of nothing. Rich young ruler had need of nothing in his life. And he was good. He was good. And Christ loved him. But he could not forsake all. That's what he couldn't do. He couldn't give up all that he had. He couldn't deny himself. He couldn't deny himself and just pick up his cross and follow him. It was impossible for him. And he resigned himself to hell. And he walked away sad because he knew he couldn't do it. It wasn't in him to do it. There wasn't a seed inside that had a yearning desire to say, Lord, I want to lay my life down at thy feet. Amen. And then we can take, take a heart there and know that wasn't there for him. It wasn't in him to lay his life down. It wasn't in him to give up all that he had. So it's there as a, for us to see. And as a warning, what would happen just by not being able to deny ourself to follow Christ? You know, we are all through the scripture. We're typed to sheep. Type to sheep. For he is our God, Psalms 97, 7. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And today, we, if you will hear his voice, we're sheep. We're typed to sheep in many ways. And Jesus himself, John said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. You know, sheep, and it's been, you all know. But, you know, when we've heard it over the years, but they're just the most simplest little animal. You know, they're just so simple. They, they have, you know, Brother Bram talks about it. They don't have, they just can't do nothing. They just straight up can't do nothing. They can't find their way back when they're lost. They, they just, they just stand there. Brother Bram said those, you know, if they get lost, they just stand there till a wolf eats them or till someone finds them. It's, it's, it's essentially what he said. They just bleat. You know, they don't have any way to defend themselves. They don't have some claws or some teeth or some poison or they got nothing. You know, with some animals, they got poison on their back. So you eat them and the guy dies, but they don't even have that. They got a nice soft <laughs> wool <laughs> that even then gets shaved off them and they have no, no ability to even say anything about that. And so the only thing they can do, they have to give up willingly. You know, a poor little lamb, you know, no intelligence. Some, some people just say they're, you know, just quite, quite lacking in that realm. It's a sheep. But the only they do here is they can hear the shepherd's voice. They can hear a shepherd's voice. Amen. And that's really all that matters. <laughs> you know, if I'm typed to a sheep, all that matters is that I hear his voice and I can respond to it. Oh, there it is. I'm going towards my shepherd. That's all that matters in life. Amen. It doesn't matter if I can figure my own ways out. And well, I don't know. I should. I just want to go over here and wander everywhere and do their own thing and have my own intelligence. And no, that's that's not what we are. Christ's followers are sheep. Amen. But Abraham says, look at him being led by the father, not by his own will. The father's will that sent him. He said, I've come not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now, a lamb can't lead himself, but we call ourselves God's lamb. And we want to figure out our own way. 
said, I'm not going to see, I'm going to see if I, I can stand this or not. Or you, you try to figure out our own way. And as soon as the dove comes and lights on you and you try to figure out your own way and you're going to do this and how you're going to do that, God can't lead you anymore. And that dove just takes her flight. Amen. That dove being the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to notice another thing. He said the lamb was willing to be led. Amen. It's willing to be led by God's spirit. My sheep know my voice. Now it's a willing lamb. And a self-sacrificing lamb. No selfish motives. The lamb's willing to give everything. It had. A little lamb. You can take him out there. And he's only got one thing that belongs to him. And it's his wool. And you can throw the little fellow on the table. Tie his feet up. He says, I've done it many times. And shave him. Shave every bit of the rights that he has away from him. And he'll stand still. Amen. In this day with rights. God's children can be shaved of all rights. And stand still. Amen? Amen. Whatever he says, he said, well, that's contrary to what this world's currently, you know, what they says. If you're a lamb of God, you're going to stand still under the preaching of the word or what the word is saying and what the rights, your rights are based off of this. Not based off of what's around you. And that's something to be very careful about, especially young people going to university and school and even in your work and job. You're going to hear everything about what currently is your right. And what's my right and all the homosexual rights that are out there, etc. That's not in here. That's not in here. And so you're right. You've shaved your rights off and subjected yourself to what God's word says. Amen. Because we're sheep. You know, when you surrender to Christ... There's not even a worry and there's no anxiety or involved in that surrender. And that's what's the beauty of surrendering to Christ is all that washes away. And there's a complete peace when he's in control. I've surrendered all my desires, all my ambitions, all my, my ideas and all what I would like to do. It's all at his feet. Ah, it's he's in control. I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to worry what's around the corner. I might be seeing, as one song says that I've enjoyed over the last few days, he says, you know, he sees, he sees the valley. I see the valley and he sees the mountain. Amen. I'm looking around and I see the tears and the pain and the trial that you're going through. And he says the victory. Amen. Cause he's in control. You can rest in the fact that God, he has it all. As we just sang so appropriately, he's got it all in control. Amen. You know, but Satan traps you. In this, in feeding you just a bunch of lies on what surrender would mean. And he hinders you. You can be on that brink of surrender and he creates a whole lot of fear on well, what you're going to miss out on or what you got to give up or how that could impact your life or, or what you must do or the reproach you'll bring or that could really, you know, hinder what I'm really wanting to, what my desires are. And so he feeds you all of that. Right at the brink when you're needing to surrender and creates that fear and doubt and someone is stopped. And I say, you know, how many people have missed their opportunity because they've listened to Satan's lies of all the different circumstances and bridges that he builds out in front of them that he has, you have no clue what's going to happen. And you build the bridges prematurely and you look at them, well, you know, what, what, what's going to happen? You know what, what are his end options? If that's the situation you're in, what are Satan's end options? 
He's going to give you everything, but you say, well, where, where are you leading me to? If I'm going to listen to what you're saying, where you go? I can tell you, it's a very simple answer, and you can give it to him next time he talks to you. Hell, death, etc. That's very basic. It's very straightforward. That's his end all. That's, that's where he's, that's where he's going. I would say, Lord, I'd rather surrender to someone who's giving me life at the end of the road. Amen. Whether the toils, whether there's whatever's happening here, the burdens that you're bearing, I know that life is at the end of that surrender. Amen. Amen. When you forsake it all, it's sweet peace. I won't go into all the details, but you know, many of us have been there and I've been there at a point where you're having to, to give up everything that you might have planned for in your life. And it, even you've tried, you've put your will into it and you're realizing you just keep hitting the brick wall and you come to a point where you have to hand that over to Christ because when you, when Jesus said in the garden, not my will, but thine be done, and we'll go there, that's a whole lot. And I've spoken it before, I believe it's some young people and different ones. It's a whole lot different to say that than it is to really do it. To do that. But when we get to a real, to a place where we're fully surrendered, you know, that's where the Lord can actually start doing doing a work in your life. Amen. And I've always just enjoyed the the example of the potter and the clay. And how when we can when we become just that fully surrendered life, and that clay that is moldable and soft, and God puts us on that spinning wheel, a potter's wheel. You know, when you actually look into it, the the lump of clay, which we are typed and likened to, you know, it has no shape or form. It's just this lump when it starts out. It's just this thing of clay. And the potter dips his hands in water. And he starts to pat it and get it all centered up on the wheel. And I'm not a potter, but just over the time, just looking at what, what that process is. And I, I just thought it's significant that water is so involved as we're washed and kept soft by the water of the word. Amen. I mean, it required, it requires water and the hands are so important because the warmth of the potter's hands, keeping that clay pliable and soft and moldable. Amen. And he dips his hands and he places his hands around that clay and he starts to squeeze and he starts to shape in. And he starts to put pressure on the clay. And you wonder why we go through life and there's pressures. And we can go through some great pressures. Well, it's just the potter's hands and he's just shaping us. And I can imagine many potters have some fairly good arms. Because it's a lot of effort that they're putting on that clump of clay as they're trying to mold it. And they they bring it out. Some are tall and they have to bring the, the clay out and it comes really tall. And they're pushing and they're applying. And... That's the trials of our life. That's the trials of our life. Amen. And we're surrendered though to that potter's hand because he knows what he's seeing at the end 
of the work that he's planned and he started. Amen. And so he starts to mold and that's our surrender. Say, I don't know, Potter, Master Potter. I don't know what you have for me. I don't know what I look like at the end of the day, but he does. And there's our surrender. There's the peace in that surrendering because he's now shaping us. I, in my notes, what better place to be than the potter's hands? No matter the, the, the pressure you're in or the trials you're going through because he's trying to bring out a, a certain shape or a certain form, but you're in his hands still. Amen? You're still in his hands no matter what. And he wants a specific characteristics. Every single one of us is a different vessel. And so he's looking for a different characteristics. And one person might take more pressure to get a certain shape than another. One might be something a little more simpler. And that's what the Lord wanted. That's what your purpose is for. One's a little longer and has maybe some more ornate pieces to it. It takes different. Everybody's different. And God has that in mind. He knows, like you said in the beginning, he knows exactly what your vessel can take on the potter's wheel. Amen. After that molding, and that's a process. Sometimes he has a certain design in that vessel of clay. And he brings out this little knife. And he starts to cut. And he starts to just cut little bits away. He said, you know what? This piece is just, just not needed there. I need to pull that out. And he's creating a master design of your life. Pulling out just little things. This isn't quite what I have in my mind for this, for this son, for this daughter of mine. And he cuts it out. Amen. I've listened to your song many times, Sister Natasha. Because the potter knows the clay. Amen. How much pressure... It can take and how many times around the wheel. Scripture says, and we can, the pressure indeed can be so great. And sometimes we can say, Lord, why? Why so much pressure? What are you putting me through? Scripture says, Nay, O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? A man hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and one to dishonor. It's all in his control. You know, Brother Branham said, he talked about in reading the, um, in the message, he says, you know, Pharaoh was kind. Never, never read that before. Look it up. He says, Pharaoh was kind-hearted. He wanted to repent, but God hardened his heart because he had to have a certain plan take place. And for that to happen, God said, no, I'm going to make a vessel of dishonor. And that's what he did with Pharaoh. Scripture says, hath not the power power of the clay from the same lump make one vessel of honor and another dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and make his power known, endured with much long suffering of the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction, to destruction, and that he might make known his riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Amen? He can do either or. Who are we to reply against God? Shall the thing form say to him that formed it? Why had you made me thus? Amen? But here we are tonight as... Sons and daughters of God through the molding. Vessels of honor. Amen. As the scripture says. Vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory. Amen. Take comfort that is his hands on the clay. Now, 
You know, what happens to hardened clay? Hardened clay that is not, you know, we, we, different ones, you know, we get a crusty, we don't get a, we're not under the word, we're not under the, in the, in the scriptures, we're living a, a life in the world, and, but if you're a son and daughter of God, your clay is getting really hard. Your clay is getting really hard. And it's going to take breaking and crumbling of that clay to turn it back into a soft and pliable and moldable lump of clay to put on the potter's wheel. You know, a lot of time, all it takes in, depending on the clay type, it's just some water and it sits there and it just takes that in and it takes that in. It just takes the word. Just takes the water, takes the washing of the word, and you just take it in and take it in. And that's why I respect different ones that you might be going through struggles. You might go through a hard time, but you come to church and you sit there. And so many times through the years, people just sit there and they sit there, but it's a little bit of the, it's the word, a little bit of the word. And it just keeps washing them. And at some point, something reach and penetrates the heart. And God then starts the, the real breaking. Unfortunately, that's what has to come. If you, you build up such a crust, such a hardened outer shell, God has to break you. Brother Bram says, sometimes this potter takes the vessel he's working on and thoroughly break it down in order that he may rebuild it exactly as he desires. That's why surrender. It's just so much easier. If you're his, surrender. It's a much easier process. Amen. You know, at some point that molding is finished when you're, when a potter is creating the, whatever design he's desiring, and he puts it into the fire. That potter's fire, pieces of pottery have survived for thousands of years just because the clay met fire. That's it. Just because it met fire, it could stand all the tests of time. Amen. Let's just put that a little bit. When the fire of God hits your soul, it doesn't matter what you're going to go through. Amen. You're, it's done. It's over. You're sealed. It's committed. And your little clay pot that God has created, it's done. It will stand the test. It'll stand the trials. It'll stand Satan's bombardments against you because the fire of God cleansed your little pot and made it ready. Amen. Amen. The fire. When he's done, when he's got exactly what it's on his mind, I mean, that vessel, it's empty and surrendered. It's molded to his liking and it's ready for service. And God pours himself into the pot. Brother Branham says, God, by human weakness, pours himself into you and then uses you. You become an instrument. Certainly, you just have to get yourself out of the way. Amen. Surrendered so that he can pour himself into you so that. He can, you can be an instrument and he can use you. Amen. You know, Christ is not asking you to do something that he's not done. He's not asking you to surrender everything. He's not asking you to, to do something that he's not already gone through. Right? Jesus is not asking you. To, he said... Uh, scripture says in Gethsemane, Matthew 26, it says, Jesus come, then cometh Jesus unto them, unto a place called Gethsemane, Gethsemane, and he saith unto the disciples, sit here, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, 
even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. Exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Christ was going through a strain that we probably could not even relate to. Bearing the burdens of the world's sins, knowing what was ahead of him. He didn't, Brother Brown, he talked about it. He didn't want to leave. He didn't want the pain. He didn't want to leave his disciples. He loved his disciples. Christ, he was in a human, human body. He was bearing this as a human, as flesh and blood as you and I would. He bore great strain under, under why? And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. What a, what a, a great turmoil and burden he bore, but nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He went through the surrender that he's asking us to do ourselves. He had to surrender his will in the garden. So he knows exactly what it's like when he says, deny all yourself, deny what you want, deny your desires, deny your ambitions, submit them to me, to my will. Because I did that. I know what that feels like. I know the sacrifice involved to lay your will down at my feet because I did that. Amen. Everything he was tested against, he stood it. But Abraham said, in the face of sickness and him being Messiah, he healed them. In the face of death, he brought it back to life. In the face of Calvary, in his own death, he defeated it by surrendering himself. He defeated it by surrendering himself. If that's all you get out of the service, total surrender brings victory. That's how Christ defeated death by surrendering himself. I mean, why? By the word. He said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. The word said so. And in the presence of death, he defeated it. He overcome it, death. In the presence of hell, he defeated hell and overcome hell. Yes, in the presence of the grave, he overcome the grave. Why? All by the word and humility. Being able to subject himself to the word and humble himself to what the word said. And he said, oh my, there's a real man. There's the one to make your example. See, he defeated everything and he overcome it. Amen. He did it out of love. Amen. It wasn't because it, when you, when I, God is asking you here, Christ asking you to deny yourself, to take up your cross and, oh, this is just an unbearable thing to do. And how do I, and you're straight. No, no. He did it out of a love for you. It was a burden. It was a strain. And he knew that the sacrifice it was, but it, he looked at who he was doing it for. Amen. He saw you. He had to see you. And he said, I I must do it just for them. Amen. He did it for you out of love. I will sacrifice. I will lay my will down. And in humility, he defeated death and overcome the grave. Amen. But Abraham said, Jesus gave us the example how to do it. Now we want to know how to overcome. You want to know how to overcome? You go through a lot of issues. You go to a lot of struggles. How do you want to overcome? This would be something to hang on to, wouldn't it? Jesus told us how to do it. He said, see, humility. Girded himself up and took a towel, washed his disciples' feet, wiped them. The very God of heaven, he said, humiliated himself. The very God of heaven, he said, humiliated himself and went to the lowest place. A servant wiping dung and dirt 
off their feet of the disciples. He said, how do you overcome? It was by humility. Because he could surrender himself. He says, great, humble. He said, Jesus constantly, he was greatness. He says, greatness humiliates those. He says, great, humbles itself. Greatness. He overcome because he submitted himself in humility to the word. Christ gave his will over. And by doing that, giving the word preeminence, he conquered death. Amen. That same word, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a scripture we heard many, many times. But it doesn't decrease just because you heard it so many times. doesn't increase the power and the impact of it. Because the, the preciousness of that is if it worked there, it works now. Amen? That's... That's what the strength of that that verse is. Whatever he did then, yesterday, today, he'll do it tomorrow. Amen. Brother Branham uses so many times that you can point back to what God did, what God was doing now, and what God will do tomorrow because he's the same. Amen. So if he's the same, if Christ, by submitting himself to the word and humbling himself and surrendering himself in his will, could conquer death. By that, the same word, by you surrendering yourself to that word, you as well will cheat death in this day. Amen? It's the same word. Amen? This bride in the culmination, she will once again, here we are. This age is really the only age that could ever say that and walk over death. Because there is a generation here that won't do, won't, will rise. Now you rise, we, we will not die. Amen? Will not die. The same word that he submitted himself only if you can deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. God is not require. he's not saying you, you must do this. He's not telling you, he's not demanding you. It's free will. It's free will. Just come follow me. It's what he asked the return ruler. It's what he asked the disciples, different ones. Just, just come, just follow me. But you have to make the decision if you're willing to do that. But I'm telling you, contrary to what the world would tell you and will feed you about surrender and about giving up, about letting go and defeat and loss. I'm telling you that surrender that's in the scriptures here is exactly contrary to that because it's just life. It's all life. I'll build you up. I'll bring you perfect peace. Yeah, you might have to lay your life down. You might have to lay your desires down, but I will bring you into eternal life, not eternal, not into death, not into hell. If you want to listen to surrender to the other, there's only two. There's only two. You're going to descend, you're going to surrender to what Satan's will is, or you're going to surrender to what God's will is. Right, right, it, it's a pretty simple choice. It's not like you have multiple choice A to Z. You have multiple choice A or B. Which one? And you know already where one takes you and where the other ones. Amen. And the seed inside you, though, is going to draw you, draw you to surrender at his feet. Scripture Philippians 2, 5 to 13 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. The same mind. Amen. That cherishes the same views. The mind of Christ. Let it be in you. Amen. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a servant, God in heaven, King of kings, surrendered all that he had 
and just came down in the form of a servant. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the cross. That is fully surrendering. But Abraham says, but if you have the mind of Christ, Christ expresses himself through you. He says, but when Christ takes over, he'll express that word right through you because it's him. He's the word. And then you can see the expression of Christ, not some illusion of some sort, but a real, genuine expressing himself right through you. Amen. With that mind, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. Christ then expresses himself. If the mind of Christ is in us, then we'll recognize that word to be true. And it gives, it lives right through you. You can't help it because it's Christ. Amen. If you have the mind of Christ in you, you won't be able to help but surrender. Amen. That takes all, all the strain out of it. Because if Christ is in you, you can't help it. You can't help it. You can't help but be victorious. Amen. When you surrender to Christ, just as he conquered, so will he through you. Amen. Brother Branham says, how will I know then, Brother Branham, that I'm in there? I said, watch what kind of life you're living. Just look around. See if it's lived out of you automatically, or do you have to strain and pull and see then you're doing it? But don't try to do it. Don't ever try. Yeah, don't. He says, yeah, don't. Just like putting a little baby's arm in a sleeve. You know, you ever seen a, a baby trying to put their coat on and they're like everywhere? You ever seen a little baby do that? They just can't do it. They're, they're in circles. They're spinning around. They can't find the arm and they're just trying to figure out what to do with their coat. But Brandon, he's saying that right now. He says, just like putting a baby's arm in the sleeve hole. You see, he's just up and down and over and everything else. He can't do it. Put your coat on, honey. He can't do it. His little arm is up and is down and it takes a steady hand. Is, oh, how I'm glad I can just yield my hand to the Father. Lord Jesus, I can't get it there. He says, you help me. Put the coat on me. This is just, this is our, this is the prophet messenger. Just give me a real simple example. How do I do this? So don't struggle. Just say, Lord, can you put my hand in that sleeve? Neither can I. He says, neither, neither can you, neither can I. He says, can't do it. But he said, if we hold still and just let him do it, just yield to him. Amen. Last week we heard yielding. Lord, let me be nothing. I yield. He says, you put my hand in the right place. He said, that's victory. That's overcoming. The thing you have to overcome is yourself, your idea, your thing, and surrender yourself to him because he overcome for you. He knows the way we don't. Amen. That's why all the worry has gone. When you do that, the worry does go. I was, when I, I switched my, uh, God switched my career plans. And um, when I let my passion go, when I let that go, all oh, the strain of it just left. But as I tried to do something, and as I tried to kind of, you know, this is going to work out. You know, I'll, I'll just kind of do something on the side. You know, I'm doing this, but I'm also going to maybe try, you know, keep another occupation path open, etc. And, uh, but it came to a point where that was just, it wasn't happening. And I had to give that up. And when I did that, all the strain of it left. When I could, when I sacrificed and I surrendered it, really, I prayed, Lord, why does just take the passion from me? Then it's, 
then I don't have to worry about it. No, I had to surrender it to him. Because it's a sacrificial life we live as a Christian. And then we give that to him. And then took all the strain out of it. Because then I said, Lord, you're in control. You do what you want. You do what you want with me. Amen. Why does God want a full surrender? You know, why, what, is he, what does he, he want? He's God alone. And he alone will take the glory. He alone will take the glory. You know, I know some people, especially in this day and age, they look at that and, oh, you know, they just bulk against that. But I have in my notes a little later on. In me, I love to serve the King of Kings. You can go back in ages and ages gone by, and there were soldiers. They just gave everything. And I'll talk about one example. For a king, they just, for a natural king, they give everything. They lay, they lay down their blood and everything just because they served a king that they believed in. Our king desires all the glory. He's God. He's sovereign. He can do what he wants. And here we are to serve him. And so why does he want a full surrender? One person said, he said, you're not the hero of your story. You're not the hero of your story. You're living your life and you're trying to build up whatever and do whichever, but God is the hero of your story. <laughs> okay. You know, we look at all, if you actually start looking through the scriptures and you start reading all the stories and you say, well, we have great stories. We have David, you know, just one example of, uh, of you know, a, a fantastic story of, of a small little boy taking down a giant. But who did that? God was a hero of that. It was because David surrendered himself to God and was able to be used by him. His weaknesses, his ruddiness, his, his frailties, his littleness, his little sling, all of that glorified God in what happened. A giant of nine, ten feet tall came crumbling down. A shepherd who was in a desert for 40 years, who was a general who got it stripped out of him, then took and defeated, annihilated Egypt, a superpower, and took two million people out of the... But Moses was not the hero because he submitted his weaknesses. He went through a long time to get there. But when he got to the point where he submitted the weaknesses of and his frailties and his inabilities, then God could take control. Amen? I think of the little widow Zarephath. You know, when Elijah came up to her and asked for a drink, a cup of water, how vital would a cup of water have been at that moment? It was drought. Everything's dried up. He came there because the brook had dried up. I don't even know how, where she had her water. Who had water? You know, I'm in my simple mind, you can have food. You can go without food for a longer time than you can go without water. So water's really precious in a famine, for sure. And he asked for water first. And she didn't even bat an eye. She turned. And then he says, oh, and bake me a cake. Everything, food and water, everything she would have had. All, all of it. She was, she speaks about, she's just going to die. She was going to die. And he didn't ask, she could have gone 
water water is, is imperative in a, in a famine, but they've always they, she had been hungered, she'd obviously been thinned down over minimal minimal amounts of food, and here Elijah's now asked her for basically her life, basically her life, and here she goes, and she as she agrees to that, here he turns and says, and the meal won't run dry. Amen. We know the story. We won't get into it for time. But she gave everything there willingly. Just whatever the man of God had desired. Put yourself on those shoes. Mothers who have a son that's young and he's dying. You have one meal left. In fact, it's not, you're essentially dead. You're going to enjoy a meal and then you're going to die. That's what she had, had, uh, had resigned to do. And here a prophet had said, but, but give me your water and, and your food. And, and he's been, he's been fed and sustained. He, he didn't look gaunt. I can tell you that. And, and he's asking for all of it. Amen. But she was a precious sister and a, a child of God who was willingly to give up all she had. Amen. To the servant. And the Lord rewarded that with a great victory. Amen. A great victory. All the great stories of the scripture. God requires complete where God required a complete and total surrender, but he brought, he brought victory through it. Amen. But, uh, Paul says, second Corinthians, he says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations that there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a me- the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest should I be exalted above measure for this thing. I besought the Lord thrice. Please, Lord, please take this from me. Please take this thorn in the flesh uh, from me. Three times he asked the Lord of that. And he said unto me, the Lord said unto him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Amen. Most gladly, therefore, Paul, Paul says, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity than the power of Christ, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen. You might ha- you, you might see a weakness. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. But he said, I would rather glory in that because God said, my grace is sufficient because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Amen. Look at your weakness as God's strength. Amen. Paul said, my strength is made perfect. My strength becomes more perfect. God, Brother Brown says this. My strength becomes more perfect as you become more weaker. The more you can yield to me, the better I can use you. The more you can get yourself out of the way, the more you can forget your your desires and your ambitions, etc. Now, I'll just put this in. Just because God's asking you to surrender, He doesn't mean He's not meaning you need to go now sit on a log and I, I'm just nothing. I, I just everything I am, my my ambitions, is just you know I'm nothing now. No, that, that's not the case. If you look at Peter, Peter before. Pentecost was bold and he was driven and he was just boisterous and he was the same after, but it was channeled. It was channeled because God got in him and took all those characteristics, weaknesses, and then pioneered the beginning of the church. Amen. So he's not going to, he's not taking your everything away from you when you surrender it. He's going to, you're giving him you, your weaknesses, who you are, what you'd like to do. Say, Lord, is this, is that what, this what you'd like me to do? Is this what you'd like me to be? And putting those at his feet so then he can use you 
Say, Lord, I, I'm, you know, as far as an inability, surely that's what I pray every time I come up here. Lord, I, I got nothing to say. I have nothing to offer. I, I, I'm just, I, what am I doing here? But if you need me, I'm here. If you want something said, maybe just a phrase through the whole night, I'll say it. I'll, I'll go there and do it beyond what I want to do. I'm the last guy that wants to stand here, but I'm willing to submit that to you and do whatever you want to do. Because in my weakness, he's made strong. Amen? You walk your life that way. In your weakness, say, Lord, why am I doing this? No, to say, Lord, whatever you want, be strong through my life. Take all I am. It might just be a little cake, a little meal, one last cup of water. Give it to him. Surrender that. Watch him do a victory in your life. Amen? Amen. We'll come to a little close here. Brother Bram says, God uses the very thing your weaknesses to tackle the job with. And he waits for us to get in that condition that he can then use us. Amen. I just want to talk about, just as we close, maybe just a little bit of a slight turn, but, you know, I was thinking on David's mighty men. David that wanted a drink of water. And David, but Abraham says he's on side. He's got Philistines on this side. He's got Saul on that side. And here he's in a cave. He's got, you know, some men around him. He's been anointed king. They know he's to be king. And he's here and he's thinking, but Abraham goes, talks about, and he's thinking about the hills of Bethlehem and when he had his sheep and his family. And he just paints a picture of David deep in, in different thoughts and, you know, how, how he got where he's at and, the different events that have transpired. And, and he just kind of calls out, not like to anybody, he says, oh, for a drink of water from Bethlehem. And Brother Brandon says, those mighty men heard that. And whew, off they went. It wasn't, it wasn't even anything that he said, hey, I want a drink of water. I need it now. Better get out there and get her done. And you better be back here in a certain time. I'm waiting for it. And that's not how, it, that's not how Brother Brandon said it was. He just said, oh, for a drink. And they're around him, hearing, hey, our king wants a drink. Let's move. And so off they go. For just a little cup of water. Small, small item. Small item. It wasn't, it wasn't a grandiose request. It was just off the cuff kind of thing as this thought of desire that he had. And I couldn't skip over the fact that these men surrendered every aspect of Everything that they were to do that. These were men. They had families. They had lives. They had ambitions. They had pleasures. They had ideas. They had things they liked to do. They had feelings. They are human. They were humans. But they just heard the least desire from their king and laid it all down. Their least, the least desire. And it wasn't even a request directly to them. They just heard it. They said, oh, our king desires a drink. David had water. You can bet David had water. It wasn't that he was lacking. You don't think the king or the future king that they knew was going to be king didn't have water. He did. But he wanted a specific water. And that least desire was now these mighty men's prime objective. Amen. 
They didn't begrudge or groan it and be like, oh man, why did he want some water? No, they didn't. They didn't do that. Really, worst timing ever. We're in the middle of battle. We've got battle here, battle here, and we're in the middle. And you desire a drink deep in enemy lines. But around says 15 to 20 something miles. No, they just slipped out to go get their king's least desire. Amen. Surely we, as a mighty warrior of this cross, for our king, his least desire, One of them is, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Could we not just, without even a thought, I'm doing that, Lord. I've held something back. I, I, I haven't let this part of me go. I've really been struggling with this air in my life, and I'm just going to lay it down. Just the least desire of your king. But Abraham says, oh brother, I wonder if the warriors today are willing to cut their way through formalism and doubts and unbelief to refresh in the presence of the Lord his desires. The least of your desires, if through, if it's through streets or whatever it is, he says, the least of your desires, Lord, is my command. Death don't mean a thing to me. Popularity, my, he says, what I am, what I will be, means nothing. Lord is to fill, fulfill your desires. Amen. Musicians, you can come. He says, that's the warriors. That's standing by the side of him. If they call me holy roller, if my name is scandalized, if they kick me in the streets, it doesn't matter. Your desire is my command. Amen. The least desire of our king is our command. If men of old could lay their lives down for a natural king and surrender everything they are and not and at the end of their reward, it was death. They, just, they died. There wasn't any, it was man-made glory. They could have gotten more riches or whatever. But here we are. Laying, could we not even just lay our lives down knowing that, Lord, it's through this surrender of my life, surrender of my will, I can live victorious in this world, in this life. Amen? Lord, what is your bidding? I said, Lord, what is your least desire of me tonight? Amen. You ask that. We can just bow our heads. You just in your heart, you ask, Lord, what's your least desire of me tonight? But Abraham says, the Lord's in the midst of his people. He says, do you believe it? Let's all rise to our feet. He says, this is the hour of divine consecrations. If you can believe the Lord God requires consecration. He can't break forth upon us until we've been so surrendered to his will, to his power. He cannot break forth until we have our hearts so cleansed from sin, the things of the world, until the Holy Ghost can ride in upon us and so surround us now as he has me right now. And the prophet of God, knowing that God is right there at that moment, present with them, and he could see in that realm, I'd have to say, Lord, I believe I know you're here this moment. Not just then, not just at Brother Branham's time, but here in our service tonight. And if he's requiring consecration then, Lord, tonight... May we be so surrendered so that your will and your power can break forth upon our hearts tonight. Amen. He's just looking for a fresh drink. He just wants a fresh drink from your life. A surrendered life that he can then live through you and be an overcomer. I said, Lord, 
I'm, I'm including myself in, in all of this. So is there something in me? And I've asked myself, Lord, what can, is there something deep in my heart? Brother Bram says, Lord, I surrender everything. I said, Lord, what? Make me not one of them hardened lumps of clay. I want to be moldable. I don't want to be soft. I want to be formable. So Lord, if I'm holding anything back from you, reveal that to me. I don't want even one part there. I don't want one desire. I don't want one thing in my life, one one ambition that is contrary to you to get in the way of him being able to move completely through me. And maybe it's a hard choice. And you have to lay that down. You have to lay... Like I said, I, I, I've been there. Many of, many of you have been here where we've had to lay down a really difficult situation and say, Lord, whatever you want. I have to sacrifice it. If I have to give that up, if it's contrary to your word, then I lay it at your feet and it's over. Brother Bram says, but I fought, Brother Branham. I've quit smoking. And I've tried to let my hair grow. I've tried to do this. I tried to do, I tried so hard. I just can't do it. Brother Bram said, just don't try it anymore. He said, just take hold of his hand. Like we said, put your hand, put my hand in the sleeve. He said, I'm just going to give you my hand, Lord. I'm going to walk on, Lord, looking to you. He said, it'll happen. You might be just struggling and struggling and struggling with something. And you're trying to do it yourself. But I said, just stop. Just take a hold of his hand and let him do the rest. Amen. Amen. If you have something in your heart, just lift it up before him. We'll just have a word of prayer. Commit it to him, Lord. Lord, we want you to be able to work in a complete way, Lord, in our lives. Lord, we want the power of God to be able to move, Lord, without hindrance within your people here. Lord, if there's one thing that hinders you from moving, Lord, and having access to a heart, God, may we just be able to commit it to you. Sometimes Satan makes it such a difficult choice, and he puts so many roadblocks, so many thoughts, so many decisions that he thinks people... that you potentially have to make but lord may they draw back say i don't care what the future holds i don't care what lays before me all i care is that it's surrendered and laid down at his feet tonight heavenly father give us the ability give us the unction may your holy spirit be able to move lord take your hands and start to mold start to press and start to channel oh god your holy spirit to a heart tonight that needs to just surrender lord just a simple thing just to surrender it is simple And once that's done, Lord, it's just a peace. Because now, Lord, you're in control of a life that might have been careening off, but now you've actually made it, Lord. You brought her back out of a surrendered heart, Lord, we pray. May we just linger in your presence tonight. You do what you choose. You do what you desire. Just a midweek service, Lord, just a simple thought, but it's your scripture. And may now, Lord, it just anchor something deep in maybe just even one heart tonight. Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just stand. We can sing. I've just been singing over and over and over again. I surrender all. I, Sister Brianna sang the song and I just listened to it so much. I just, let's just sing it. Let's just close your eyes. Don't worry about somebody around you. And say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. Oh, all to Jesus, I surrender.
know, I really fought not to speak surrender tonight. And if you, I have to believe it's just maybe for just one soul that's just looking, looking to give and to lay it down. Just finally, once and for all. And you've been up and you've been down and you've surrendered some and then you've not. And you're needing just to give it all. You know, we can come to church, we can come, we can go, we can come, we can go. You know the burdens and you know where your life is at. Don't miss an opportunity in the presence. And the Lord is speaking and moving two Wednesdays in a row. Yield, yield, surrender. God's looking for somebody. Some soul is on the brink and Satan's giving you everything he's got to say, no, no, just just wait another day. Just wait another time. Or maybe camp time and you'll lay it down there. No, I'm sorry. No, the devil is going to give you another excuse. If you're at the brink of surrender, it's now. Tonight is a moment. If you miss Wednesday, it's now. If you miss Sunday, it's now. Take the opportunity to surrender tonight. doesn't need to be anything big. But it needs to be in your heart. Say, Lord, I lay it completely at your feet tonight. I'm not going to look anymore, any direction. I'm just going to say it's, it's yours. It's completely surrendered. And watch God then move a victory in your life. Because that's his word. That's his word. I just sing, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Oh, I love you, Lord. Oh, and I lift my Hey.
pray tonight that's a sweet sound in your ear. That your people just love you. Love to lay ourselves down. Check our hearts. Sometimes just the only words that can be said is, I love you, Lord. I love to serve you. And I love to lay my life down for you. Commit the hearts of your people here tonight, Lord. Would you move? Linger with them, Lord. Go home with them. May your presence, Lord, just ever go with each one, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Mind the Holy Spirit. Have a wonderful week. May he do a victory in your life. Amen. God bless you. have your attention for a few moments. Uh, You've listened to Michael speak tonight, and uh, I feel I want to say a couple of things, because we have other young people here. Uh, I don't know how you look on Michael. I see him as, uh, you know, uh, grandson and so on. And you might think, well, he's behind the pulpit because of that. No, he's not. He actually intended to go to a university in Ontario. And uh, he was, he just knew with his remarks, with his marks, they would never turn him down. And there was only one university. I wonder, Michael, if you just want to stand up here a moment for me Uh, some of it I don't recall I don't remember but uh, how old are you he's 37 Uh, he'd been looked upon in the office as a go for boy go and fix a computer go and do this and go to the camp and organize the young people's things and do all of these things and fix that and fix this and so on and so forth. But actually, his marks, since he left school, he intended ever since he was he was 37, that's 32 years, he intended to be a, a doctor, a specialist. And ever since he was about five years old, he always wanted to be a specialist. My wife and I bought him a a kit where he can take uh, take parts of bodies and so on. And uh, he would have uh, one of the brothers here worked at the slaughterhouse and would bring him eyes and bring him kidneys or whatever more from the slaughterhouse. And his mother, who's sitting at the 
at the organ or at the piano there, uh, she would find these things in the deep phrase. Right. He's smiling now. He would find all these things in the deep phrase. And uh, so my wife and I, we wanted to turn him away, not, not me, myself, but she had in her mind to turn him away from being a doctor. And uh, she heard that you have to take uh, and operate on a dead body and uh, take parts of it and so on. So she got him off to the side and said, Michael, uh, you know, here we are as grandparents. We're trying to turn him away from what he had set his mind to. And so uh, she said, you understand that uh, if you're going to be a doctor, you have to work on a dead body. Oh, he said, rad. He thought that was the greatest thing, to work on a dead body. And because that was his whole direction. And he just knew this university would accept him. And that is what, year before last? Years ago now. Yeah. It's in recent years. And he applied to the university. And how long were you going to have to be gone from here? Several years. Pardon? Several years. Several years. And we had uh, we had a massive decision here to make, his father and myself, because he would have to be depart from the office and be gone for several years. And one, one year would be in Ontario, and we didn't know how to get around that. And he applied, and but deep in his heart, he said, and you young men and young ladies that are here and you're starting out in life, etc., I want you to think about this deep. He was speaking about himself tonight. That's who he was speaking about. He's speaking about himself. And I caught it right away at the very beginning because he was dead set on a certain direction and to surrender to that. But deep within himself, you mind me saying this, deep within himself, he said, if I don't get accepted in this universe, and he just knew that he would be accepted, and it's the only university that would uh, give this category of training in the medical field. And he did everything he could. Uh, he was, what were the courses you took? You took deep sea diving. You took deep sea diving and actually did that. Uh, what else was it? Film school. Pardon? Film school. Film school. Film. Film school. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And filmed something and nursing and went to Edmonton and was at the Jubilee Hospital in Edmonton. And while he was there, they said, Michael, Michael, you're not 
nursing. You're not, because he was getting nursing and getting everything he could. He said, you're not nurse, you're doctor. And uh, so he was being actually reproved by just sinful people, people with a ordinary direction in their life. But he laid it all on the altar. And then he was preaching here behind the pulpit tonight, and I wanted to say this to you. He came to me not very long ago, about last camp, last year, scared because a brother, a senior brother, Brother Ron Spencer, had talked to him and had encouraged him to go this direction and lay his life down for the ministry. And he called me and said, Grandpa, I have to see you. He said, this is what happened. It happened at the camp. It happened in the prayer line. I have never, ever in my life expected to take the Word of God. I consider it such a sacred thing. Uh, I have never viewed myself as doing that, and I don't want to do that, and I don't believe I can do that. The person you saw behind the pulpit tonight That's what he felt about himself. And he spoke to his wife, Abigail, who's here, and they were both literally in tears because he had no ambition to stand behind the pulpit. And he never felt qualified enough. And it's up to God if God calls a person So he was speaking of himself tonight, and I wanted you to to know that. And I was involved, and he said, I don't want to have anything to do with the ministry. And I thought of the man, a man running from the presence of God. So just give your life. We don't know what God's going to do, and I'm as surprised as you to see that he would stand behind the pulpit. And I never intended on this. I I had not planned on it whatsoever. I have a picture here. And it's one of three pictures that I have. And the lady that's standing here with this old car, that's my mother. That's my mom. And I think she has about six or seven years and she's gone in six or seven years from the time this picture was taken less than ten years she's gone and I as a result of that I lived without a mother all of these days my daughters have never seen their grandmother ever and she's left at 32 years old And she was just maybe 22 or 23 here when this picture was taken. She's actually out inviting some friends to her wedding. And she did not know she would have a great-grandson. And when this picture was taken, she was devoted, 
absolutely devoted Catholic woman. And my, when my father got saved at an old kitchen chair, he was totally transformed. He would actually drink homebrew till they were, he was uh, not merely intoxicated, but unconscious. And uh, he then desired that his wife would be saved. And he would go up into the attic of our little house and pray. And for five weeks, they never expected to be together. They never expected to be separated. But she even contemplated that. And five weeks later, she was gloriously saved and transformed. And the message you spoke tonight, Michael, about surrender. She surrendered absolutely everything. And I remember, I'm just going to give you a little testimony. I remember when the town drunk was driving by or walking by rather and the kids were throwing snowballs in northern Saskatchewan and uh, hitting him with snowballs and my mother called him in and pulled him into the house sat him down on a stool near the stove in the kitchen and began to clean out the Uh, ice and snow around his collar and I admired her I thought how brave a woman this old drunk man how brave she must be and she was scolding him and preaching to him and telling him he needs to have his life transformed and changed and this was a woman who knew in her early 30s younger than yourself She knew what it was to have her life totally transformed and what a happy home we had. And I had this in my hand and I felt I need to get up if there's an opportunity. I need to just get up and say to you young ladies, she didn't know she was going to be gone. You might be looking forward to wedding and marriage and so on. I can just tell you, life is very, very, very unpredictable. And that's life, but that at the end is eternal life. And to surrender yourself to this gospel, there's nothing like it in the world. And I can say to you with full force, Serve him. I wish I had 10,000 years to serve him. And I would say that to you, Michael, and say that to the brethren that minister behind this pulpit. We are, we want to serve him. And we say with all our soul, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not my will, thy will be done. And that this congregation would just say that, you just give yourself to it. It doesn't mean you throw away 
your talent or your skills. Michael never threw that away. He always desired. He knew that's what he was going to be. But God had something changed, something different in his mind. And so I just want to say to you, whatever you've planned for your life, just go ahead and and stay with it. That's fine. But never, never give up the surrender part. The surrender part is number one. That's number one. Just be yielded and surrendered. God bless you, Brother John. And God bless you. Thank you for your time. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.